All right. The first question I picked up from the box is, uh, you once told me the whole universe is in your mind. In what sense might you have uh, meant this? When you close your eyes, you can bring to your consciousness, your awareness, anything you have seen, heard, smelled, tasted, touched, and thought, anything, that is your universe. Otherwise, uh, you have you have uh, heard the NASA has sent a space rocket somewhere. <coughs> I don't know what you call it anyway, something they send out uh, of this world to find uh, uh, new uh, stars, planets and so on. And then NASA people collect this data and publish in newspapers uh, with pictures and so forth and you may watch TV, there they show these uh, uh, spaceships, uh, this, this vehicle that goes out of, the, out of this world and so forth. So many information you get. You don't go there. But you have seen and heard the explanation and read in papers or magazine, radio and so forth you heard that information is in your mind. You have spent uh, 20 years ago somewhere in a far remote place you have climbed Mount Everest, for instance, if you have done it. When you close your eyes, all the things you have done related to that climb is in your mind. People you have met the food you have eaten, eaten, and so forth and so on. Trillions of things that we have seen, heard, smelled, touched, and thought in our life. All of them are in your mind. Right? You can recall. That is how the universe is in your mind. In that sense, you have no any other way of knowing the universe. You know the universe, only what you have seen, heard, smelled, touched, thought 
and so on. Through your six senses, you bring information to your mind and stock in your memory bank. <coughs> so periodically, when you close your eyes, or even when you open your eyes, when you are driving, when you are travel, walking, even when you are sleeping, those things will come to you. In that sense, you have entire universe in your mind. Only in that sense I said the universe is in your mind. Okay? Is metta just for me or is it meant to open my heart to, so that uh, I may, uh, I may benefit uh, to helps? It is true, when you practice metta, your mind, your heart becomes soft, mind becomes insightful, you are, you are warm-hearted, uh, your compassion improves, and then you express it through your words and talks and deeds. So you you benefit by practicing and you benefit others by doing something verbally and physically. That is how metta works. <coughs> and Does this bother anybody? No? Okay. What is the significance of uh, uh, Buddha holding the thumb and index finger? Uh, when you meditate, should the right palm always be on top of the left palm? What is the significance? Okay. Now, there is no particular uh, significance of holding, that I know, uh, holding uh, index finger and thumb. Maybe <coughs> this is, uh, this mudra, this posture, uh, is explained as Vitakta Mudra. Vitakta Mudra means thinking, Vitakta means thought, thinking. When Buddha wanted to answer somebody's very tricky, uh, complicated question, he contemplate on the question. In order to show that contemplation, the artists make the Buddha's finger uh, holding like this. That is called Vitakka Mudra. 
and when you meditate you put your uh, left hand right hand on the left uh, i don't know any particular uh, significance in it but that would be uh, comfortable if you like to put your left hand on the right that also would work but uh, that is there is no any hard and fast rules on how you put your palm on your other palm <coughs> <coughs> but when you sit in a lotus posture that that holding your uh, arms and palms uh, in that way complete your posture uh, if you put your hands uh, in other ways that doesn't look like real lotus <coughs> that may be the reason this also also is my interpretation but uh, you may have to ask uh, yoga experts to explain it uh, more clearly deeply is uh, as a novice how do i know when to move to insight meditation from concentration meditation now when you practice when you gain concentration real concentration not concentration sleeping in the name of concentration uh, many people you know go to sleep and stay for one whole hour when we ring the bell they wake up and say oh i had i attained the fourth jhana <laughs> not like that you are really 100% alert awake mindful and mindfulness also is uh, is one of the requirement for concentration meditators uh, samasati and samasamadhi anyway when you practice concentration or jhana one of the things that you have to have is a sati sampajanya sati sampajanya in theravada buddhist uh, teaching uh, this this phrase is invariably mentioned in the place where jhana is explained the steps for attaining jhana so when you attain jhana again good real concentration you are full of mindfulness and full of clear comprehension that means you know your jhana jhanic factors jhanic experience and the way how you attain it and where you are you know very well in that state as mind is not wandering here and there and there because you have already overcome your hindrances even before the attainment of the first jhana uh, in any jhana when you gain concentration you will see in a very deep subtle changes taking place for instance 
vibration. You feel in a vibration, you feel. That is exactly what is happening all the time. Because this, uh, uh, what do you call this, uh, uh, elec electric impulses. Electric impulses are always generated in the heart and to pump blood and the nerves activate and then we feel these impulses inside. Normally it happens all the time but since we are not, uh, not in concentrated state, we don't know. Only when we con gain concentration you can see these impulses. You experience, not see, experience. And then you know everything is, you feel your sensation, uh, you feel the breath, you feel your concentration, and all these are constantly changing with this impulse. You feel that. That change is the basis of insight meditation. Because in insight meditation, one of the most important thing is anicca, impermanence. If you do not see impermanence, unsatisfactoriness and selflessness, you are not practicing vipassana or insight meditation. One who practices insight meditation must see impermanence. That which is impermanent is unsatisfactory. That which is impermanent and unsatisfactory has no any enduring permanent entity called self or soul. These three things you must see. When you gain deep concentration, these are the three things you will see. That is how you go from concentration to vipassana. It switches on automatically. Automatically. But since you have been practicing mindfulness before you gain concentration, you are fully aware of this, fully aware of this automatic switching on and then you are in vipassana practice. When you practice vipassana, for instance, on the other hand, even from vipassana you gain concentration because you see the sameness in everything. <laughs> what is the sameness? Everything is changing. Nipasana. When you see everything is changing, there is no difference between one and the other. Then you gain concentration. And there again you see this rising and falling, rising and falling. It is called Udaya Benyana of five khandas, five aggregates. So either way, you must see this uh, rising and falling impulses, experience to understand impermanence. Uh, only then you can let go of your greed, hatred and all these other deeply rooted uh, defilements to gain true uh, state of enlightenment, stream entry and so on. Did you say metta can be a vehicle for our thoughts? In today's Dhamma talk, 
If so, could you further explain it? Okay. Uh, metta uh, becomes a vehicle for gaining concentration. You know when uh, it is sort of a stepping stone from transition from one state to another, one state to um, gaining concentration. When you practice metta, uh, your mind is free from hindrances. You don't have greed because metta does not have greed in it. If you, this is how it is different. It differs from uh, ordinary love. Uh, ordinary love has it is opposite hate. Love hate love hate love hate goes to go together in ordinary love. Uh, I think I don't have to explain this, you all know that. You all have ordinary love and ordinary hate, anger. But for metta, there is no such duality. It is only metta. And therefore, when you gain that awareness, that is your basis, that is your vehicle to go to jhana. And that is why Buddha, one of the benefits of attaining, practicing jhana, metta, is called tuatang kittang samadhyati. The mind gains concentration very quickly because you stay only on, the, on metta as making it your conveyor to convey your, deliver, deliver yourself from ordinary state to concentrated state. That is how it becomes a vehicle. Is there a, I don't this, I even don't want to read the question because it doesn't make any sense. Anyway, let me read the question. For you to understand what kind of questions some people like to ask. (laughs) Only for that reason I read the question but not going to answer the question. Is there a question no one has asked you? (laughs) You see? But... (laughs) Does it make any sense? There are trillion, trillions of things in the world for people to ask questions. How do I know them? How do I know what question people ask, what question they don't ask, what question they have as what question they will not, they have not, and what question in the future, this is even in the future. Not even the Buddha knows the answer. So. Okay. In case of uh, abusive ex-partner, I have difficulty wishing him to be well and happy. He is now abusing his next victim. How can I wish him well when all I want is 
for him to suffer and to feel pain that he causes his victims where is justice now this is why my friend whoever wrote the question this is why i repeatedly mentioned don't focus mind on one particular person don't focus mind on individuals don't don't uh, uh, aim at one particular even a group of people you just put everything in one basket even this person put in one basket and because you have to you don't think of doing justice to other people who are doing injustice who are doing wrong things crime criminals and so on and so forth that is nobody can solve that, those things uh, they are responsible for those things but we are responsible for practicing metta for our own peaceful state of mind we practice that when we practice that we don't put faces to figures assume that there are living breathing beings in the universe that's all you have to think there are living breathing beings and it's almost like abstract abstract but there this abstract object is breathing feeling living moving eating and so forth and you that will that will be very very wonderful for your own state of mind if you do not particularize individualize identify individuals just think that there are living beings let all of them be peaceful and happy when you ask this question we can see how much anger you have in your mind that is the very reason you should not think of a person don't think of the person if you think of the person you will be in very very painful state during metta practice and therefore for your own uh, sake i tell you very uh, compassionately i tell you don't think of any particular person not only that person even the one who whom you love very much don't think of that person in metta practice just Buddha never advised us to individualize or identify individuals. Of course, these days people do so. These days they say, so and so is in hospital, I must send metta to him or her. People do that. Uh, that, out of compassion, you think, uh, I wish so and so be well happy i wish you and so be free from pain out of compassion that is a compassion practice uh, 
so to say that is very very generous of you uh, i mean there is no any harm in that but if you want to practice real metta you think you know when you think of somebody sick in the hospital you think is that that the only person in the hospital <laughs> how many patients are even worse than the person you think there are so many so why not we send metta to all of them we don't know them so out of uh, compassion you say may so and so be uh, so and so recover quickly and so forth but for real metta practice uh, you put all of them in the hospitals even ho- don't think of hospitals uh, you know hospitals and those things don't bring any particular things this is very uh, difficult for many people because we are so conditioned to identifying individuals for metta practice don't do that uh by practicing metta uh, aren't we clinging to it <coughs> aren't we supposed to let go of everything even metta <coughs> i think uh, uh, we don't cling to metta we just practice it uh, when you cling to it you become uh, attached to it when you are attached to it you are going to suffer because whatever you are attached to when you lose that you have pain when we practice metta sometimes we forget forget to forget to practice then you become mindful oh yeah i forgot let me practice now so you pick up and practice it but if you become obsessed obsessed with metta i could not practice metta what a bad person i am like that begin to curse yourself that's not practicing metta and therefore don't be attached to metta <coughs> you practice it and sometimes you forget then be mindful that you have forgotten and start again uh, that is what we should do don't surely your second part of the question is uh, we are supposed to let go of everything that is a very real thing but that will not happen so quickly it takes some time some training some practice and time and eventually that will happen uh, and that is very important thing how does one practice metta properly i think practice metta properly i mentioned in my talk <laughs> but uh, <coughs> Uh, in one talk we cannot uh, uh, 
present everything, you start, I think when these monks uh, give their talks, they will explain it more, in more detail. Uh, if I were on explaining all these reasons, there may not be much for them to say. <laughs> Focus your mind on all directions. Uh, may all beings in the eastern direction. May all beings in the eastern direction. When you say this sentence, don't think of one particular person or individual. Just close your eyes and visualize that they are living beings, trillions and trillions of them in the eastern direction. May all of them be well, happy and peaceful. Then go clockwise, southeast, south, southwest, west, northwest, north, northeast uh, and east, come back to east, and then up and down. Just wish, you may recite only this one sentence. Uh, there are many, many, many words to utter the meaning expresses the meaning, but one sentence is enough. May all beings in this direction be well, happy and peaceful, then you keep repeating. That is how you begin. <coughs> that is the proper way to practice metta. Uh, always don't think may even I used to say in the past that may I be well, happy and peaceful and so on. Uh, eight, uh, put, eight groups, all beings put into eight groups. But uh, later on I found that also has some uh, uh, difficulties. Some people ask, uh, so there can be some confusions. In order to avoid all these confusions, I decided to go into the sutras. In sutras, uh, this is the way. The way I, uh, I used to teach is tradition, various teachers, various books, uh, especially Vishuddhimagya and so on, various places, they have various ways of practicing metta. So I also fell into that various groups, <laughs> practice. And then found later on, even that uh, is defective. So I now started this practice. And that is what we see in the Karni Metta Sutta. When you read it, you can see. Buddha put into some categories like uh, long, large, middle, you know, short and so on. Uh, even uh, then we don't uh, individualize, put into categories. <coughs> you said 
there are three phases of metta practice verbalization conceptualization uh, then uh, realization how do we realize metta put it into practice now actually as i said uh, when you practice metta you feel in your own heart your own mind that you are really really relaxed and peaceful when you talk you feel relaxed when you walk you feel relaxed when you do something you feel relaxed then you know that metta is working in you <coughs> uh i tell you very simple example of my own personal experience uh, which i enjoy very much and know that metta is working in me when i go to public restrooms when i go there there is a lot of water on the floor water on the toilet seat sometimes it is not even flushed of course anybody would flush it not only me but when i see this i clean it i clean that on the in the place so where it, it is uh, air, airport or airplane or wherever when i go there if i see something like that i clean it it takes a longer time but it is a matter when i clean it i feel so happy that the next person seeing the clean toilet will be very happy i think i feel happy because next i think next person will be happy so i cause him happiness by doing this so i feel very happy so this is how i think uh, uh, my metta is benefiting me it is working for me i know that uh, when sometimes very disturbing situation arises i don't get disturbed very patient i wait and wait and don't say anything about it and when everything is calm i may say positive things about the situation not the negative things that way i feel very comfortable this is my personal experience so i think therefore my metta practice works for me helps me to develop my mind that is how we experience metta okay <clears throat> i focus on certain person to arouse metta and then uh, direct that feeling towards the six directions 
but then the feeling of metta disappears very quickly. What should I do to make metta more stable? Do what I said earlier. Uh, don't start with one person. Uh, you will be very comfortable to send metta to all living beings without picking one particular person. Very comfortable. That is what I would recommend uh, you to practice. Of the hindrances, regret can be the most painful because of the second arrow. What can be used as an antidote for regret? <coughs> Buddha said, uh, people regret when, we, when they do something wrong. Uh, they feel guilty. Out of guilty, guilt, they uh, regret. And the Buddha's advice is, the, he has given several letters. One is, don't think of the past. Atitan nanu sochanti. Don't ponder over the future. Just keep the mind in the present, present moment. That is the method. That's the mindfulness practice. Keep the mind in the present moment. Secondly, he said in other places, uh, <coughs> when one does something wrong and later on remembers it, then one uh, talks to oneself, when I was unmindful, I did such and such. But I must be mindful from now on and do not repeat that again. Such a person, Buddha said, uh, shines like the moon free from clouds. Yasapa pankatankama kusalena pititi so imam pabha lokam pabha seti abha mutto chandima. He said, <coughs> when you have done something wrong, as soon as you remember what you have done was wrong, from that time onward you become mindful and keep doing good things. Keep doing good things over and over again. Then your mind becomes free from guilt, guilty feeling. Because you are doing something very powerful, most beneficial, wholesome something and then something will <coughs> take uh, over the guilt and then the mind will shine like the moon free from clouds the clouds in our minds are this guilty guilt uh, regret these are the clouds the mind will be free from that kind of cloud. <coughs> Otherwise, friends, you know, everybody, without any exception, 
has done, thing, done something wrong one time or another, has committed an offence one time or another, there is no one who is 100% perfect from the birth to death. No, never. And if they were to keep regretting, 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 repenting, 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 their life is miserable, hopeless. There must be a break. The break is come to understanding, come to mindfulness, come to maturity, come to think reasonably. This is the human nature. We all commit something unwholesome, especially when we are unmindful. And also because of the environment, because of the peer pressure, because of so many other factors, we do something wrong. <coughs> and that should not make our mind a life miserable. So we must learn how to get out of it. So Buddha's advice is always 100% true. <laughs> so try to follow that. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, this is another question. Uh, I have a deteriorating lung con condition with a slow decline. Recently it started uh, causing problems, uh, 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 causing uh, problem breathing. I fear not being able to breathe. I am not uh, uh, afraid of pain, but uh, not bring, uh, uh, being able to breathe is uh, terrible, terrifying. How I find happiness and peace while my lungs are getting weak or worse? <coughs> I think uh, you may be uh, following some uh, uh, doctor's advice and uh, doing whatever they can, whatever you can. Uh, so in this situation, I would say you uh, strengthen your mind, have courage and patience uh, to practice your uh, metta, practice your mindfulness to gain uh, uh, stability of your state of mind. Uh, when uh, uh, physical conditions are uh, not uh, satisfactory, uh, we have to at least understand that state of state and make the mind uh, calm, relaxed, peaceful. To make the mind calm, relaxed and peaceful, uh, of course this uh, medical field has all kind of things, chemicals. But without that, in our um, advice is uh, uh, try to stay in touch with Dhamma, truth, meditation, mindfulness, uh, concentration and practicing metta and so forth. Take one of these 
very uh, powerful subject and meditate. And uh, if this condition, it is not under your control, uh, if the medicine and doctor's uh, recommendations and so forth may be working to some extent, and uh, but your part is with all this, even your breathing is very, very difficult. Try to stay uh, in touch with the practice of your mindfulness and metta. <coughs> Many Christian practice and cultivate at least the five and uh, uh, possibly the ten, eight or more virtues with uh, dedication. They focus on uh, being unconditionally loving, uh, loving, friendly and kind in thoughts, words and actions. Being very active with loving, kind service in the world. Yet, they say this only leads to uh, heavenly rebirth, heavenly realm. What is the difference with metta that may uh, bring one to Nibbana. Okay. Uh, actually what they say is very true when you practice only metta. Uh, you can be reborn in uh, heavenly realm. Uh, not only Christian, even the Buddhist uh, uh, believe in that. But how metta can be used to attain Nibbana is as I mentioned earlier, answering another question, when you practice metta, you see one universal common denominator. That is, we practice metta. That is why metta practice is called mindfulness. Etam satim aditya in metta sutta says. Practice is this mindfulness. Metta practice is mindfulness. Why it is mindfulness? Because we practice metta because all living beings, including us, have suffering. Have suffering. And therefore we want to get rid of this suffering. Totally, completely. Metta practice is one way of reducing suffering. And then Metta practice, we use metta practice to understand impermanence. As I mentioned in my talk, when uh, Dasaka asked Venerable Ananda to tell him one thing that leads to liberation, Venerable Ananda, instead of telling one thing he gave, he told him eleven things. That means attaining seven dhyanas and practicing Metta Karuna Muttata Upeka for Brahma Yaras. Metta, loving friendliness, compassion, 
appreciative joy and equanimity. Practice this. When you practice this, at each each time you practice, for instance, metta, as you gain concentration, you see even metta is impermanent. In that sutta, when Ananda says, uh, metta, uh, what do you call, uh, chitta sankhara. Metta is chitta sankhara. It is mental condition. So metta is conditioned. We condition our mind to have metta. Therefore it is conditional. Metta itself is conditional. Our practice is not. Practice is not. But metta itself is impermanent. Why? Because mentally created. Mentally, whatever is mentally created is impermanent. Whatever mentally created is impermanent. When you see impermanence, you practice mindfulness, vipassana. Because as I mentioned, vipassana practice, one important thing is to see these three characteristics, impermanence, unsatisfactoriness and selflessness. So you, when you see impermanence, you definitely know whatever is impermanent is unsatisfactory. When something is impermanent, unsatisfactory, is free from permanent, eternal autonomy. The, when something is uh, uh, autonomous, it should be able to control everything. But there is nothing in my personality autonomous. No autonomy to anything. And therefore, whatever is impermanent, unsatisfactory, is without autonomy, autonomous character, quality, or autonomous uh, entity. When you see these three things, you are practicing vipassana. And then, eventually, you lead to Nibbana. <coughs> Is it still considered uh, stealing if you have taken, if you have been given permission to take something in the past? Or is it the, uh, it is is implied uh, that you can take it? Uh, under or implied or understood that you can take it. Okay. Suppose this is here, this belongs to him. He said, Bhante, you can have it anytime you want. You can have it. Today I don't need it. Uh, even tomorrow I don't need it. When I need it, ten days later, I can take it. I'm not stealing. Because he has given me permission. Open permission. You can have it. So I took it. That is not stealing. That is understanding. But for monks, there are certain things that they can take like that. 
but not certain other things. Don't ask me specific, I tell you some other thing. <laughs> no time. Uh, what is the difference between mindfulness and vipassana? Is there a benefit to practice one over the other? <laughs> you see, mindfulness is English, vipassana is Pali, that is the difference. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, this is called paper in English. We call katha in Sinhalese. Is there any difference? No. Difference in the language. We refer to the same object. And therefore, mindfulness and vipassana. for better term, for want of better term, uh, ancient uh, translators who started translating Pali into English uh, translated this word as uh, mindfulness. The, the word vipassana is translated as mindfulness. That is the only difference. Uh, when someone is uh, angry at you and uh, and shout yelling at you how do you stay calm and practice metta <coughs> actually that's a very good situation the buddha also encountered uh, this man called akosana who came and uh, you know Abuse, use abusive words, abusive language to insult the Buddha. So he remained calm. Now when we say that, uh, then you might say, well, he is the Buddha, he can do that, but we are not Buddhas. <laughs> sure, we are not Buddhas, but he did not become Buddha overnight. He was one like us. But he kept on practicing, 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 until his practice became perfect. That's how he became Buddha. Similarly, when somebody is uh, shouting, yelling in anger, just think, this person has a problem. <laughs> Otherwise, there is no reason for the person to sh shout or yell. So, Behind this shouting, these words, in his mind, there is some burning problem. If we get upset, we make it worse for him. So we remain, wait until he stops his shouting. <coughs> Friends, I know this from my own personal experience. When I was in Washington, when I started this center, there were a group of people who hated, who did not like that I was going to start the meditation center away from Washington. And they fabricated all kinds of stories. And uh, shouted and said all sorts of things about me for five, six years. One day, they call a meeting to, you know, 
you know, say something very nasty to me. I also attended the meeting. Then one of them stood up and even without explaining the, giving the purpose of the meeting, he started scolding me in front of all these people, accusing me of all sort of things. So he spoke for about 20 minutes. Everybody was stunned, they never expected this sort of language from him. I was facing them, they were facing me. I stayed, if I say one word against him, many people physically would beat him up. I know that. So I did not say one word after he stopped. I said, uh, this gentleman is my friend. He has done a lot of good things for me. Today, he seems to be a little upset. Let us do some uh, chanting. You say Namotasa to take the five precepts. People recited Namotasa Bhagavata Arahato Sammasa I gave the five precepts and chanted Karaniya Metta Sutta, Metta Sutta and said, end of the meeting, you, you can go home. They never expected this kind of reaction from me. One lady went home and told her children, I have never seen a monk so patient like Bhanteji. I know this from my experience. If I said anything negative, this man would have been beaten up physically. But I know he is a poor man. He was really confused and why should I add another thing to make him more confused? So friends, if you patiently wait, patiently look at his own mind, you can do him a very great service instead of reacting negatively. Another question, what is the difference between uh, uh, protecting metta and protecting those who are uh, suffering uh, unjustly or without cause? Now, Protecting somebody uh, ill-treated uh, and uh, so on, suffering because of ill-treatment, uh, is a very good thing. It is very good, uh, compassionate thing. Uh, nothing wrong in that. And then you can protect that person without yourself uh, uh, inflicting pain to the other, those who victimize the other person. While helping the victim, you should not hurt the other. That is why <coughs> in Metta Sutta we say, Thasava Thavarava. Thasa means uh, 
trembling out of fear. Thavar means study. For instance, uh, you know when we had this uh, the 9-11, thousands of people were killed. I wrote an article. In my article I said, even those uh, who caused the, the, the killing, uh, what do you call Taliban, what do you call uh, what did that man? Osama bin Laden. Oh, Osama I did not mention his name. Even they deserve our metta because they, before they came to this conclusion of destroying, attacking the United States, they have uh, been conditioned for long period of time to do something very uh, harmful. And they deserve our metta because uh, they themselves suffer from what they have done as well as the victims. So our met- that's what the Buddha said, those who are trembling, thasa, like uh, deer in the mouth of lion, lion is steady, thavara, thavara means steady, and deer is struggling for life. Even the lion needs our metta as much as the deer. Because lion became so uh, cruel, we think it's his nature and so forth. He, he was born as a lion because of his bad, bad karma. And he needs to be reconditioned, at least for the next life he will be reborn as a better being. Uh, not straight away like human, but uh, another being that would not kill other animals to eat. And therefore, in this metta practice, there is no discrimination between the victims and the, what do you call, accuser. (coughs) Okay, I accidentally witnessed a crime and know the person who committed the crime. If I report this crime, the person will go to jail and uh, their lives will be uh, ruined. Do I practice metta instead of reporting crime? Now, I think uh, uh, with metta you report the crime. Because if you let this person commit uh, one crime, if you witness it and you keep quiet and he knows that you saw and you did not report, then the person will get more encouragement to commit more crimes. And he will not stop it. 
even if he goes to jail, in the jail he may suffer to some extent, but that is only in this life. If you simply keep quiet, you can, uh, then that person will go on committing more crimes, and then in this life he will get into more trouble, deeper trouble, and uh, after death he will have worse kind of life. Therefore you save his uh, future uh, more painful state by reporting him and then he will learn not to commit uh, crimes and then at least next life he will be, even in this life he will not go into deeper uh, trouble. I think you know little stories that people tell one boy went to bought, stole a pencil and showed to mother and she kept quiet and then next day he stole two pencils and so forth. You know the story. Finally, when he stole something very serious, he was caught and put to, I think, death. Then he saw his mother coming and uh, this fellow said, I want to say goodbye to my mother and he went to her and beat her very hard and I think to injured her and said, Mommy, if you stop me, on the very first day I brought one pencil, stop me from stealing, I would have not got, gone this far. You encouraged me. You just accepted my stolen pencils and see what happened to me now. So like that, when we saw a crime, report it right away, out of compassion for that person, for person's future. I think with this I must <laughs> conclude today's answering questions. And uh, thank you for asking so many questions.